0: Time to play with pain. Hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer Jeff Cesario, interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host, Jeff. Cesario, welcome uh it's gonna be a fun one we have a very good one uh we got a musician and a sports fan crazy yeah. talented and funny on twitter and spent time in minneapolis uh claire delune uh, claire's here claire how are you
1: oh my god that's a very nice intro well, I'm, I'm great now um <laughs> Now that someone yes. just said I'm very talented before 11 a.m., it's incredible. Exactly.
0: Just, uh, you know, uh, blowing smoke is uh, yeah. a talent. It's a talent I have. It's a time-honored. Uh, tradition. <laughs> it is. Uh, and uh, so so almost didn't make it because I'm anal retentive and I lost my phone briefly. Oh, no. I knew exactly where it was. Uh, it was in the car and I, c- <laughs> I couldn't find it. <laughs> I couldn't find it in the car. I couldn't Cars find it. Cars
1: are pretty small spaces.
0: Yeah. It's it's uh that's <laughs> your way of saying it's kinda sad. Uh, <laughs> it's which it was. Awesome. I was so angry that I could not find it. I literally had to get my wife's phone and call my phone from the car. Mm. And then hear this faint ringing, and I still couldn't find it. So that you have your ringer
1: point. on, because for me, when I lose my phone, the someone else calling my phone never works because I always have my phone on silent, like one hundred percent of the time. On do not yeah, deserve.
0: I I uh, always have it on ringer okay. and the highest possible vibration uh, level, mm-hmm. like Richter scale vibration <laughs> level, because uh, my wife and my fourteen year old daughter mm-hmm. uh, say that when they attempt to contact me. Uh, I uh fail to heed, yeah, the, the call literally. Yeah. So, I need everything going for me. If there was some kind of siren they could put on my phone, I would use that. <laughs> it's literally yeah. like bah! I would do that. Uh, so listen, we're going to talk in just a bit about music, mm-hmm. about Minneapolis, and about sports. Perfect. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to see uh, if Chet has uh, Chet, do you have an update for us? Do I have an update? Does Jim Harba have a closet full of dockers? Of course I have an update. Time for the Waterhouse Update. Sponsored by J.C. JCPenney. Dressing homicide detectives for over 60 years. NFL playoffs. More chest-thumping than a Godzilla double feature. Eagles, like a waitress with a bad memory. They just keep coming at you. But the 49ers were more banged up than the losers at a Cirque du Soleil tryout. Wow. That hurts. So cold in Kansas City, Andy Reid's mustache had a muff. Chiefs uh, beat the Bengals, and it was so bad. Joe Burrow admitted, "I might not get laid tonight." Super Bowl in two weeks in Arizona, unless the state legislature there demands a recount. Sponsored by Therapist. The Angry Anger Therapy. That's therapist. College Hoops. Kentucky got whipped like a Japanese businessman at a Dutch brothel. Wisconsin Slump can now just be referred to as their season. Tennis. Australian Open. Arena Sabalenka beat Elena Rybakina. By one continent Sponsored by Slaptop, the new computer from Will Smith. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 2014, the place Madrid-Spain, Cristiano Ronaldo, becomes the first non-Spanish player to captain Real Madrid. Yeah, come on, it's not like he's Swedish, he's Portuguese It's an eight minute walk, Spain Back off the reverence This Waterhouse Update sponsored by The Red Herring A great place for seafood Or is it? Now back to Jeff and Claire Galoon Thank you, Chet Incredible, so good He he comes out a little fire. Informative. Up.
1: Informative, informative
0: well, Passionate you. and
1: informative,
0: yeah <laughs> That's it right. Now here's why I had to get you on uh, because mm-hmm. you're you're a funny on Twitter, and that's what that's what I that's my whole life at this point is if it's funny, it makes me laugh. Boom, I'm going after it. So I had to do that. And then uh, you're you're really into sports, mm-hmm. and then I and then I heard a lot of your music, and it's it's really good. Uh, they use a I don't know why they still have genre names, but they do. I guess it's helpful. Neo yeah. Soul kind of popped up, which oh. it's kind of neo soul but it's also there's a pop thing in there anyway uh (laughs) combining all those things here's what it is uh like you listen to music and it's Mm -hmm. you got a a killer voice great voice beautiful tunes and then you tweet something like this like last night you tweeted this (laughs) exhibit a why Wen should be getting minutes over the three guard lineup Darwin is so obsessed with? Yeah.
1: yeah, my <laughs>
0: so you're upset with the Lakers.
1: I contain multitudes. Imagine
0: <laughs> you have layers that yeah, uh sure. That's, do. How let's talk this first. How did you become such a sports freak? Did you play when you were a kid? What what drew no. you into it?
1: Not at all. And I, and I would clarify a sports freak to say that it's really bass, It's really sport singular. It's really basketball. I wa I casually watch like football and baseball and stuff, but only really in like the playoffs, like other sports, I'm more of like a fair weather, like when it starts getting interesting, I'll tune in. Um, but as far as basketball, like I grew up, I was not sporty at all. I was not athletic. I'm from New York city originally, um, from a Jewish family that, Everyone does like something in the arts or entertainment or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I, I grew up, I did like every art, you know, I like painted, I danced, I right. acted, I did music, never was a sports fan. And then I was on tour actually with my band and my drummer was in our green room. And I'm sure, you know, if as a comedian, if you've toured, like there's a lot of downtime when you're on tour, there's a lot of just like, yes. sitting around twiddling your <laughs> thumbs
0: And so we were like sitting
1: in the green room and it was a springtime tour. So it was during the NBA playoffs and my drummer was um, a a big basketball fan. I mean, mind you, his fandom now like pales in comparison to my I've I've eclipsed him by orders of magnitude. But like (laughs) at the time he was a big fan. um, And so I was just watching with him on tour and I just got super obsessed. Like I just got really sucked into it. I mean, it's it's the best sport ever. It's perfect. So, of course, I got sucked into it. But
0: what about the game yeah. drew you? Was it mostly NBA? Do you watch college? Is it strictly NBA? No,
1: I'm pretty much NBA. I mean, I'll I watch again. I feel like my relationship with college basketball is similar to my relationship with other sports, which is just like, I'll watch it in March Madness or like whenever yeah. it, it starts getting interesting. But no, I don't know what it is about the NBA. Um, I mean, I think for me, part of it is um, just that You know, as someone who wasn't like a huge sports person, like it is very easy to like understand and and get a hold of like, of course, there's like intricacies with the game once you get really into it. But for the most part, it's like, you know, it's not like there's not like with football, that's like special teams. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's people who only come out here to do one thing. Like with basketball, (laughs) it's like everybody plays offense. Everybody plays defense. You're just running back and forth and, like, trying to put the ball in the hoop, essentially.
0: Well, not everybody plays defense. Well, everyone's supposed to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: But, yeah, and I really love, I love as, like, a kind of hippie, I love the idea of, like, the barrier of entry is so low for basketball. Like, really all you need is, like, a ball and, like, a public court, which there are in, like, especially in New York and, like, every neighborhood.
0: Right, right. So it's, like.
1: It's, it's a lot less prohibitive to get involved with in other sports. And I don't know. I just love it. What can I say? I'm
0: with you on the uh, when things heat up, I'll start watching. Mm-hmm. That is definitely my take on hockey. I, I don't watch oh, hockey till like the second ho- round of the playoffs. And I like hockey.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like watch hockey at all.
0: Especially college hockey because it's more of a different game, actually. College hockey is less slamming into each other and starting fights and more – Zone skating, a little more international style. Uh, so for me, it's a prettier sport to watch. But even that, at this point, with Wisconsin yeah. in, the do- in the doldrums, they used to have a great team now. Eh. Uh, but I'll watch. So it's true, really true with the NBA, really true with the NHL. College football, I'll watch. I'm a huge Wisconsin fan, so okay. I'm from there. So I will watch. Badger? Badger. Yes, okay. that's it. So I'll watch every game of the season, no matter how bad they are, every minute of it. Yeah, basketball, too much agita. I can't. I can't watch it like at all. I can't really? watch. I don't know how you do it.
1: I. I mean, I. 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 You know, I'm 33, so I'm not like a Gen Z, but I did grow up as a millennial with like constant stimulation from like social media and stuff so right, right. maybe like i i find that other sports are like too slow paced for me a lot of the time i need the like fast pace
0: <laughs> you need to be bombarded with yeah i uh, need to
1: be bombarded but also information. i bet you i bet you you could be convinced to like it's like such a i don't know like part of it i mean the sport itself i think is really fun but also like the off the court stuff in basketball like it's just a soap opera it's amazing it's so entertaining
0: yeah, and it's very high on the uh fashion scale.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, oh, it's the yeah. sexiest sport for sure. It's the most rock and roll of the sports.
0: Yeah. And and you know, uh the NBA may be the first franchise to utilize something like that in their slogan. It's the sexiest sport. <laughs> they could get away with that. I like that. Uh yeah. so you moved to Minneapolis to do music and yet none of the teams I notice are on your radar. Um, they were
1: when I lived (laughs) there, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been out
0: here,
1: been in LA for about six years. Um, and when I lived in Minneapolis, which was between 2010 and 2017, was like the long stretch I was there. Um, I did like follow the Timberwolves and stuff, and um, you know, like pay attention to Minnesota sports, but I feel like not being from there, it just wasn't quite enough. Like, not being originally from there, it wasn't quite enough to like like my friends who are big Minnesota sports fans, like they've been through hell. They yeah. they're really like their whole childhoods were like traumatized by <laughs> Minnesota sports. And I just didn't have those formative <laughs> years of like loyalty <laughs> indoctrination. So when right. I left, I was like, yeah, why would I put myself through this anymore? Like this sucks. Like Minnesota sports teams just consistently lose in every demographic except for hockey and women's basketball. So.
0: Yeah. Um, so you weren't, uh, you weren't in Minnesota pain. You were Minnesota, Payne adjacent. You yeah, were, I was. You I watched it. it. Yeah, you were able to take a train out of there. Mm-hmm. That's very smart. Uh, wh- what is it about that scene? Because I came up there as a comedian. Oh, nice. Generations before you, uh, in 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 the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, and and yet, consistently, that city is is a mecca. There's something yeah. about that scene. That makes it a perennial incubator yeah. for the arts. And and I'm not sure why. You may have a take. I don't know.
1: Um, well, so I the the thing that I would explain to people when I lived there, which is also ironically kind of part of why I left, is that like I think everyone who lives there, there's sort of like a subconscious resignation of like no one's gonna see or check for anything that we're doing. Like we're so off the radar. <laughs> So it's very freeing in a way that it's not in any other city. Like we're there's it's sort of like a self-contained entity. People support local music and local like comedians and artists very fervently. Like they treat you like a freaking like real deal celebrity there if you're like doing well in the local music scene because it's just such a self-contained bubble And I think it's like, it's a point of pride, you know, they're sort of like, well, screw you coastal cities. Like you don't check for us. You don't know that we're here. So we have our own thing going on. And I think because everyone's sort of just like, well, no one's going to see this anyway. It's like, brings this really nice sense of like, first of all, like genuineness to like the things people are creating and also like a sense of community. Like it's not competitive because people are just sort of like, we're all like, none of us are going anywhere. So like, let's just make a little shit together, you know? Um, and I think it's super special in that way. And I do, I really love Minneapolis. LA is not like that at all. I mean, I think especially in music here, it's very like centered on, you know, commercial success and like people, you know, being a launching pad and, and whatnot. Um, But in Minnesota, yeah, it's just very, Minneapolis, I guess, specifically, it's just very, like, about art. Like, it's just artists, like, making art for art's sake and and not with the agenda of, like, having it be their ticket, you know?
0: Right. And maybe in addition to that or because of it, the bar is pretty high. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of crazy good musicians.
1: Yeah, 100%. In
0: in the Twin Cities and comedians Mm -hmm. and artists.
1: Yeah. So are you at, like, Acme? Was
0: that your Acme ground? wasn't around oh, when I okay. was there. I was at a, uh, let's take a brief tangent. You'll <laughs> get a kick out of this. I started at a place called Mickey Finn's, which was, which was a um, small 60-person meeting room mm-hmm. in the Steam Fitters and Pipe Fitters Union Bar Where in the that? basement of this, it was at like 4th and Central Northeast near the campus. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> so these, you know, heavy-duty blue-collar dudes, almost exclusively, would yeah. be drinking heavily at the bar. And uh, we would hang plywood in between the bar and this teeny little room and do comedy. That's how comedy kind of awesome. got started in Minneapolis, Yeah. And then I went from there to uh, to several other clubs, but yeah, I do act me now when I when I go back, I do act me now. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. So yeah, so those regional scenes do that; they can Mm -hmm. strengthen you, and you are to a point where you know you can compete anywhere. Yeah. Then you get to a place like L.A., and the sort of schematic of it all changes. You alluded to it, what's your day? How does it differ? And then I'll get into your day. Oh, you like said so it's different. more it's it's more on commercial success. How does it mean, change I, how you approach your art?
1: um well, I don't know if it changes how I approach actual music itself, but I would say when I was in Minneapolis, my life was a lot of performing live, and whether it was on tour or in town, like I just was like, you know, playing shows a ton. And when I moved here, I felt like I didn't feel super connected to like a local music scene or like people, you know, like they're like, for example, I would go to a bar, like my watering hole in Minneapolis is called ice house. It was like, um, a, like a bar that programs a lot of weird music and stuff and like cool experimental stuff. And I would just go down there on like a weeknight and see whoever is playing and I knew I would know like 10 other musicians just there hanging out or the people on stage or both and there's I haven't really found anything like that here in LA and so I think because of that I kind of turned more of my focus to like recording music and like being in the studio because I found a more similar community in studios like with people who like produce and stuff and like I found that sense of like camaraderie community feeling like We're all just there to like make something cool more behind the scenes in L.A. than I feel is there in like the live music scene. So I think that's how it's shifted is I just like I'm more of a studio rat now and less of like a club person.
0: (laughs) Right. It seems nowadays like that is uh, less of a distinct defining line. Yeah, uh, in most of the arts, because if you're an artist now, regardless of what it is—comedy, music, anything—you mm-hmm. got to do everything, uh, which is astounding to me. Uh, yeah. You know, I just used to have to worry about writing my jokes and a couple of business things, mostly yeah. trying to put together a decent business team.
1: Yeah, and that
0: was that. Now, yep. uh, a lot of your day or a lot of your time has to be spent on on the business end of it. How do you yeah. split it up? Do you split it up by day? is there a portion of each day you dedicate to <laughs> I'm writing and then I I'm mean, social media ing and then I'm connecting. How do you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not the best at, at compartmental. Like I'm not the best at like yeah. time management. It's like probably my weakest characteristic, but I would say, I, I will say like, I do have, you know, like a label and a manager and all that stuff. So like, that's helpful. But also I think, um, I'm still so daunted by just, like, how much, yeah, like, you, to your point, were expected to do now. Like, you're, you're supposed to have, like, I'm working on a new record right now. And when I was starting out, even, you know, like, 10, 15 years ago, like, you would make the record. And that was, like, the job. You know, you make the record. Right. Maybe you pose for some pictures for it. Now, it's, like, now with like my quote unquote team, I say that in like heavy quotation marks because it sounds so fucking pretentious, but it really is like a a team of people. Now it's like, okay, well, we have to come up with like a social media strategy and like content for like all the different platforms and like music videos and like, you know, lyric videos and all these different things. And it's just so much. And I also have a whole nother, you know, side career doing NBA media stuff. So it's like an extra lot because I'm doing a bunch of things at once. Um, so you're
0: trying to stay alive.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you're, and, and you're doing a 100 things. Yeah, there's a part of me that always <laughs> goes, Maroon, is, isn't that like you can you come up with a right. new media approach and the lyric videos or whatever it is?" Right. You know, I mean, it does feel like there should be some delineation delegation of uh of responsibility around this. It. But yet it doesn't seem, but but before I go on, because I'll forget this, because yeah. I'm like 103. <laughs> um, the NBA, what? What are you doing for the NBA? This is cool.
1: Oh, like NBA media. So I just, I write for The Guardian about basketball. Um wow. And nice. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and I have historically been more of like, I've I podcasted for Spotify um, doing basketball stuff. And so I just like random like things that happened basically through Twitter from Twitter of I randomly ended up going from just like being a big fan of the league to like working in it now sort of. Um, but I'm also still a recording artist and like still doing that a hundred percent. Like I haven't stopped at all. So it's right. just very, I have a very bizarre life. With the There's a
0: gear them. shift here that even though your family wasn't into sports, there is a, um, there's a humor muscle. That yeah. most Jewish families have. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember going to a seder at my friend Sam Friedman's house, mm-hmm. and it was like a cut session. It was like it was like a roast. I couldn't believe it. It yeah. was so funny. They were just they were just hammering on each other. Yeah, and and that is a gear I think you use when you shift from this deeply connected emotional musical artist mm-hmm. into this. NBA sniper <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, the, the gear shift is amazing to me because you're. Your, Thank your you. Are all kind of they're pretty serious, introspective. Yeah, and yeah you know <laughs> they got a third level emotion to it, mm-hmm. and then you're on Twitter like, what does Jonas think he's trying to do? Here? <laughs> it's like Dennis Miller-ish almost. It's great.
1: Yeah. It's so funny that you like, okay. So when you're like, oh, you're super funny. I have like a permanent chip on my shoulder about that because I dated someone once who told me that he thought I was like, like that I was funny, like that I had like a good sense of humor, but he didn't consider me a funny person. And like that ninjaed my brain. Like I was just like, but I, because it totally upended my sense of like self image and self. I was like, I've always thought of myself as like, like funny and like I've used comedy and like used jokes and stuff to like lighten a mood like I've used it to make friends it was like such a part of my sense of self and when he said that I was like you don't think I'm a funny person and he's just like no I mean like you're smart and like whatever and you have a good sense of humor but I don't think of you as like a funny person and then he listed off a bunch of people that he thought of as a funny person and then that's when I realized we have very different tastes in comedy but um <laughs>
0: Boy, well, like, nothing helps a discussion about comedy like listing off people. Comedians, that's, yeah. <laughs> especially,
1: yeah. I, but so, but like him saying that, like it's been literal years. And now every time it's so incredibly validating anytime someone says something funny, oh. I'm just like, I fucking told you. Like, look, yeah. like, I want to like send him a video clip of this conversation.
0: Oh, oh we we will. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut this out specifically. Like,
1: Can you tell just my to ex send it that you said, said that on the okay. record? Can you say right that? Right behind Thank me, so both much.
0: Emmys. both Emmys got those Emmys for being funny dude I got those for being funny and she's funny did you get up and just did you get up and walk out on him or I was so
1: angry I was so I like I turned I can't read there was like smoke billowing out of my ears I was just like how fucking dare you like what are you talking (laughs) about and then the person I won't name names but he compared me to a mutual friend of ours and he's like you're kind of like this guy and I was like he's not funny at all He's like the driest person I know. Like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, I was so mad. I like literally. Is he in
0: the entertainment business, or is he? A, is he a uh, comic?
1: I'm gonna decline to comment any further. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so to, sure. suddenly going bill belichick on us okay what? uh chet do we have a sponsor of that oh yeah of course i've been sitting here waiting for god's sakes that one's sponsored by corn hell the only corn hole game with a 20 foot drop into a fire pit wow i don't know if i'd play that one Yeah, um,
1: sounds intense wh-
0: so now you're like you're like producing more uh you're in the studio more you're doing your own stuff is there a burning desire to perform or can that be tempered with you so you do have that you still have that
1: i mean yeah i totally miss it i mean i so i did was i was still touring um in like 2019 up until early 2020 and then with the pandemic, then like that all got put on hold, obviously with everyone else in the entire entertainment industry. And then by the time people started touring again, I was, had gotten myself pretty busy with like podcasting and writing and stuff like that about basketball. And then I was also working on a new record. So I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait to play shows again until the new music's done. And then I'll go play shows to support that. And that's going to be sometime this year. But, um, so yeah, this is the longest stretch I've ever gone without performing since I was a little kid. Because I've been playing shows since I was like literally in elementary school. So um, it's bizarre. It's so weird. I'm sure you know. There's no high like it. Nothing else Nothing. really compares. No. So.
0: And 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 uh, like you, I went behind the camera at one point almost involuntarily. I just uh, mm-hmm. uh, actually it was Dennis Miller. He had come off a bad talk show, syndicated sort of mainstream style. Mm -hmm. A lot of guests from sitcoms and things like that. And it didn't work for him at all. So they gave him a show on HBO and he just asked me if I would produce it. I had zero experience. And I said, "Ah, that sounds good. So I went and did that. And then we won the Emmys and we set up a great show for him that lasted 10, 11 years on HBO. But from that, I got behind the camera. And the joy that I could take from performing to behind the camera for me was was creating an environment in which great art can take place, uh, which is antithetical to a lot of how TVs run. I imagine maybe the Mm -hmm. music business. There's a lot of fear-based stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Get this or you're dead. Um, And I kind of fought that, and then it worked. And that was really satisfying, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I really liked it. But then when I got back to performing after our daughter was born, we had a stretch there where we were dealing with all of that. And um, but when I started the performing, and I went, God damn, there is just there's, there's nothing, nothing like, like it. This.
1: Yeah, I'm, it's very satisfying. So like I've been working, like I said, on a new record. It's very satisfying in the studio for me because I'm. I like, like, I am kind of a perfectionist and I like being able to like tinker and like whittle away at stuff. Yeah. And like, I'll work on the same song in the studio for like months, you know, but like, wow. so that, that exercise is very rewarding to your point in a different way. It's just like, a, you know, stretches a different muscle. I'm like, okay, I get to like craft something and make something that's exactly how I want it and like express myself so truly. And like, that's like truly like making art, which is very rewarding. But performing is like drugs. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's totally, it's not even yeah. just like, oh, this is like, I like changed the world today by doing this. It's just like, it's so fun. And it's such yeah, a yeah. general and rush. And like the connection to other people too, like, you know, I'm sure like in, in your, you know, comedy is the same. It's like, it's like human connection in a way that you don't really get. Cause everyone has right. their walls down. Like You're crazy vulnerable up there. And so everyone kind of meets you with like, and it, like it's it's the best way to be vulnerable on earth because you're like guaranteed basically that at least like at least 50 probably more of the people in the audience are going to take your vulnerability and like clap and like up, you know support you for it versus like if you're just telling a stranger about your last breakup or whatever they'll be like oh, okay cool but if you're on stage <laughs> singing to them about your last breakup then yeah. they like love it
0: that's really true, or cracking jokes about it that are okay. funny. That's the one thing that um I think sort of biologically attracted me to comedy was that it's just a reaction mm-hmm. it's it's you can talk and dissect and analyze comedy all you want, but at some point mm-hmm. somebody says something and either laugh or you don't. Yeah. It doesn't even matter what style of comedy it is mm-hmm. you just that's the that's the compass. That's when it's point pointing true north is if somebody laughs, you're onto something.
1: That's why I always like my argument when people are just like, oh, people are so sensitive nowadays. Like You can't say this this or that. I'm like, I hear some of the jokes that get people in trouble. And I'm like, this just isn't funny, dude. Like, right. like You're just punching down to punch down and you forgot to make it funny. And now you're like boohooing about the fact that people are mad at you. And it's like, if you had just told a funny joke, you can still get away with a lot.
0: Yeah, like, you, you really can. You just have can. to be
1: funny. You yeah, know? the
0: delivery the delivery platform, the delivery vehicle is super important. So where do you go to play in LA? What's because LA is so business oriented in, yeah. in terms of all the arts and yet has this really connective scene. Yeah. Uh in comedy and in music. There's a great music scene in LA. I mean some yeah. really unusual bands have come out of this city.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Where do you go? Um, I mean, like I said, I haven't played a show in LA in literal years at this point, because it's been since 2020, but the last place I played here was called the Lodge room. And I love that space. It's in Highland park. Um, it's like, I think an old Masonic lodge that they converted into a music venue, but it's super cool. Um, yeah, I love that space. I mean, I have, I have friends that are musicians that have played around a lot recently, and i have been sort of like taking note of little clubs I've seen them at and been like, oh, when I get back into this, I'm going to like check that place out or whatever. But historically, by the time I moved here, I wasn't playing a ton of like local shows, even in Minneapolis. Really, by that point, I was like more so just touring and then I would play the Minneapolis show or the L.A. show or whatever on the tour. Um, but I was actually just talking the other day to like one of my musician friends. I'm like, we should just like make a new band so that we can just play like dumb little like local shows, to like 15 people. Like, I don't care. I just miss being on stage.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause it right. is
1: like, yeah, I, I do really miss it. And it's a priority this year that I want to get back into it.
0: But do you care if you make it as a performer or as a songwriter or as a writer, producer, Or do you have a plan to sort of tackle all three? It seems there are some artists who know, I'm going to start here, whatever breaks, I'll do that first, then I'll slide into these other things. Mm -hmm. Or are you just approaching this as, hey, whatever hits, that'll hit. Yeah.
1: I mean, I would expand that to if it ends up being the NBA stuff, you know, or like the media stuff. I definitely had... Way more of an ego about it in the beginning. Like when I first started doing it professionally and I was like in my late teens, I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to like play, you know, arenas and like do all this stuff. Like I definitely was like, that's what that was my goal. Now, as a true adult, I think that I'm just sort of like, I just want to spend my time doing things that I enjoy and that are rewarding for me as much as possible. And I want to spend as little time as possible doing not that. (laughs) And I would like to make a comfortable living. And beyond that, like, I really don't, it's, it's however you slice it up for me. Like, I just want to like, be creative, do things I enjoy. Um, I'll always release music because it's like, I feel like my, you know, life's work essentially at this point, but I I don't, yeah, I don't really care how it, how it ends up getting sliced up in that respect. I just like want to be creative and have fun.
0: Can we play a little of uh Gary? Do we have? I think we have like stay just just because I want uh, <laughs> my several uh, dozen <laughs> listeners. <laughs> hey, that's uh, several to get a dozen taste of this. <laughs> more than
1: was listening to this song earlier. So <laughs>
0: that's right. Wish I- So uh, that's great. You got a Thank great you. voice. Thank Did you so you much. Think of who are your influences?
1: Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, I yeah, I feel like my music it really is just like a hodgepodge of everything I've ever listened to like all together. Like, I mean, I grew up in New York City in the 90s, so like hip hop and R&B were obviously like, you know, that was a huge time for that then. Like everything from like, you know, mariah carey whitney houston like that kind of stuff to like jay-z and like you know just like music that was on the radio um and then as i got older i got really into like kind of you know like 60s and 70s like folk music and i was listening to a lot of like Joni mitchell bob dylan neil young and then even later i got into i would say kind of like like indie rock and like sort of maybe like more college radio music Uh like um, like Beach House and um, Grizzly Bear, like stuff that was when I was like in late high school, early college, it was like the early 2010. So like that, the the kind of indie music, Santa Gold, that was around at that time. Um, and so I'm just sort of like influenced by all of it, really. I mean, like I listen. Everyone's like, you know, makes fun of people who say, "Well, I listen to everything," but I kind of do. I mean, I don't really listen to new country very much. Although I like kind of some, some, some the nineties country, like Shania Twain, Faith Hill. And I don't listen to uh. like metal, like death metal, but besides that, right. I kind of really do listen to every, like everything. Like I listen to a, a wide variety of things and I pull influences from everywhere.
0: Yeah. That's impressive. Cause that is, uh, weaving together mm-hmm. uh, and will continue to, to make an incredible, uh, uh, unique style. I, I liked, um, uh, some of the earlier stuff, the uh, it was called "Think About It," I think, with a rapper. Uh, think about with Freeze, was that his name? There was. Oh one. my
1: gosh! Wow, you yeah, must yeah, have been on there. a deep dive because when I first got yeah, to I Minneapolis, did. I was doing a lot of like, um, like features on rappers' songs. That was like my uh-huh. calling card. So I was like. Right. A, basically like the Minneapolis Ashanti. I was like singing choruses and like hooks (laughs) on like a bunch of different rappers music.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Um, I don't, I don't really feel like I like found myself as an artist until the first tiny deaths project. Cause that's like when I started really taking the initiative of like what the sound was and everything I had done up until that point was sort of just like, Oh, well I know this person and they make this kind of music. So I'll just do this. Cause that's like, what's right, there. Right. And tiny Desk was like me being like, I want to make the exact kind of thing I want to listen to. Um, and has been basically the whole time I've been doing it. So that was extra rewarding. Cause it felt like truly getting to express myself. And like, if I made, if I, the person like made a record exactly how I wanted to make it, like, what would it sound like, you know? And that's right. what I've been doing, which is really
0: rewarding. <laughs> that's super cool. Uh, let's talk NBA. Who's looking good? Who do you like? I know you're a <laughs> Lakers fan, but woo-hoo.
1: Yeah. You're
0: right in the whole sport. When you write the sport, you're right in the sport. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I I, I'm not sure anybody's
0: taking uh, the Bucks down. I'm not sure. I think they look pretty strong again. The
1: now. Bucks look really good. I mean, I think if I had to guess, I would guess that an Eastern Conference team in general is going to win the championship this year. I would say like Celtics and Bucks are both, I think, Really good contenders. Philly is looking really good now. Um, from the West, it's crazy. I've honestly never seen parody like this before. Like the four seed and the 13 seed are separated by four games. So wow. the entire West is basically wide open. And I would even say like the top few seats in the West, which are Denver and Memphis. I don't really believe in them as championship contenders. So The West is a total mystery. It's like, it could be anybody. Like I wrote a piece about the New Orleans Pelicans and why I think that they are contenders. Um, The frustrating thing about the Lakers for me is that if they did just like make a big trade, they could literally still contend even though they're like a 13 seed right now. Like it's so so wide open. So um, They're they're
0: not going to make that trade though. They just won't. No, I don't think
1: they will. But so that's why I think that the East – is more is stronger and more likely to be the champion this year, just because I don't think in some ways it is obviously really good that the West has that much parody because it makes it more exciting to watch. But I think part of what that parody is, is that no one is like exemplary in the West right now. I think there's a lot of very good, like good to very good teams, but I don't think there's a ton of like excellence in the West versus in the East. There is for sure.
0: Yeah. That's actually the exact opposite right now uh of the nfl hey guys that one was sponsored by 45 hour energy drink live big (laughs) crash hard and of course lame that tune great rock songs rearranged just for your favorite mall that's lame that tune
1: all right Uh, that one's really good
0: (laughs) thank you so much uh Claire Delone for coming on. I know uh, this was a uh, wild. I just contacted you randomly uh, random on No, Twitter I'm before.
1: honored that you asked. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much. Uh,
0: you can follow uh, Claire on Twitter and Instagram at Claire Minneapolis, Claire M P L S. Claire M P L S. And go get her music. Where where do we get your music?
1: Um, it's called Tiny Deaths is the project, and you can get it literally anywhere you stream music, uh Apple Music, Spotify, any of that stuff. So
0: That's awesome. Uh, Again, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. That was really fun. You got
0: it. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. At Real Jeff Cesario, my album, What Was I Thinking, streaming everywhere, recorded at Acme in Minneapolis. Oh, nice. Uh, and you can go uh, listen and request clips at uh, SiriusXM. It's on the comedy channels, the clean comedy channels there. Uh, Play With Pain Mugs, available at Uh, uh Thanks for listening. Tell your friends uh, we do this every week, and it's uh, stupid fun. Chet, uh, are you doing anything this weekend? Are you kidding me? I'll be in flail, Nebraska calling the Earlobe Flipping Invitational for WiseAss.com, sponsored by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.